0: Pray with me, please. Come, Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God. And have it our minds and our hearts and our very souls. Lord, we want to follow you. We want to obey you. We want to live in your will for us. Take us now. Lord, and change us by the power of your Spirit more and more into your likeness. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Mike is uh, in Charleston at Water Missions International with Fred and with Suzanne today, and so I'm jumping in for Mike, and what we're typically trying to do on these Wednesdays is pull from our, our preaching on Sunday and then maybe highlight a certain piece or Part of it. So here's what I would say about Mike's teaching or preaching on Sunday. It was really good. And if you didn't hear it, go to our YouTube website and listen because Mike talks a great deal about childlike faith. Not childish faith, but childlike faith. And it was a beautiful sermon. He actually set me up for this week. I, didn't, I wasn't sure, I didn't have my mind made up if I was going to preach out of the gospel, but he said, next week we'll hear from our preacher about, you know, and he started talking about what I was going to say. So I've been working with the text and, and we'll talk a little bit more this week about what it means to have um, childlike faith. That's coming soon on Sunday i didn't james is one of my favorite books I, I didn't want to miss the opportunity today so i'm i'm breaking our little three-week-old tradition and i'm gonna i'm going just reflect for a minute on this book of james and on the passage that we heard patrick read to us today uh, james i was taught in my seminary is probably the brother of jesus probably the brother of jesus and so anytime i read james i have a brother he's younger than i am his name's todd and for years, I used to say to him, gosh, it's got to be a real you know, challenge of uh, being my younger brother. I, you guys have met me. I've kind of got an outgoing nature. We're a little different as, a, you know, as brothers, and so he was always kind of in my shadow. Well, now my brother is this uh, fairly well-off, well-known person in Somerville, on and on and on. So whenever I go back to Somerville, now people are giving me what I used to hear Todd get, which is, oh, you're Todd's brother. Like, yeah, I'm Todd's brother. I'm the older one. I'm the clergyman. I'm Todd's brother. So that's that's the relationship I think these two, James, this book, the book and the, the Bible, and Jesus have. And I think it's clear. Actually, I think it's crystal clear in what we heard today. And I'll, and I'll get to that in a second. Overall, what, what we heard read was this idea that there are two kinds of wisdom. This won't be new to any of you churchgoers. There's two kinds of wisdom. There's the wisdom from above, Heavenly wisdom. And then there is the wisdom of this world. Everything that you and I get advertised as things that we need. That would be the wisdom of the world. You need a break today. You need to go on a cruise. You need to put your feet up and drink a Corona and watch football for 11 hours. That's the wisdom of the world. You deserve it. You've earned it. The world owes you. You've worked hard for this. Now part of that is not untrue. Most of us do work hard in this world. It's part of the curse we get in Genesis. We're gonna labor, we're gonna sweat. And by the sweat of our brow, we're gonna bring forth something. So labor is hard, but hard work is not bad work. And there's nothing to be ashamed of in how hard we've worked in our life at all. That's not my point. But when the world tells us that's all there is, In other words, your only value is how much you work, how hard you work, and what you put out. Then we've got this conflicting wisdom. The wisdom from above. Think Jesus for a second. Jesus as the person who describes himself in John's Gospel as the way, the truth, and the life. Now listen to the way James describes the wisdom. Imagine James with the other 11 walking behind Jesus his brother and they stop somewhere and Jesus heals or Jesus teaches or he goes in the synagogue imagine James describing his brother and see if these words don't make you think well maybe but the wisdom from above but my brother Jesus is first of all pure and and my brother Jesus he's peaceable and oh oh my brother Jesus he's so gentle He's always open to reason. No matter who comes at him, a lawyer, a Pharisee, a Sadducee, he never hits back. He always tries to reason with people. He's full of mercy. I've seen him welcome tax collectors and prostitutes with a smile sometimes. And everywhere he goes, there are good fruits. People are healed. People are delivered. Demons are cast out. And above all, he's sincere. He's never double-tongued, in other words. And wherever he's walked, wherever we followed him, a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You think James could have been describing his brother when he was talking about the wisdom from above? I think so. So the wisdom from this world, I think, can be boiled down to just one idea, and it goes something like this. If there's no God, then getting all we can get from this world, doing everything we can do in this world, living as if there's no tomorrow in this world makes perfectly good sense. That's the wisdom of this world. If there's no God, then get everything you can. Oh, occasionally throw the world a dime. Occasionally give to charity when you see something on television, but really the point of life, if there is no God, which is the wisdom of the world, that's what we heard read. If if you have enmity with God, if you have the wisdom of this world, if we have the enmity of this, of, uh, if we have the wisdom of this world in us, then we're at war with God. But don't forget what we just heard: wisdom from above brings peace. The wisdom from above is founded in His righteousness and justice, not ours. So do me a favor. In your prayer books or in your Black Pew Bibles, turn to Psalm number 1. I don't know what page they're on in either. I should have been a little more researched. But take a second, if you have to, go to the the table of contents in your Bible. And uh, somebody finds the psalm in the prayer book. What page, Ryan? Page 270. Go to page 270 in the Book of Common Prayer, the red one. The wisdom from above, as you're turning, brings peace. The wisdom of above is founded in his righteousness and justice. In order to understand this, uh, what the writer of James is telling us in our reading, we need to look at Psalms for a second. Because Psalm number one, the first of the 150 Psalms, is all about two ways to live. The heading in my Bible is the way of righteousness versus the way of the wicked. You, if you're looking at your prayer book, have something different. Now, this isn't going to translate exactly like your yours reads. Um, you know what? Let's do. It's not a long psalm. Why don't Why don't you all read Psalm number one in unison? Okay. Blessed. Two ways to live, two types of wisdom. We can live one way unrighteously guided by the world's wisdom and our pride, because that's the only thing, brothers and sisters, that stands between us and submitting to God's will. Our pride that constantly seeks to put our lives in the center of the world. You see, when we receive the wisdom from above, we allow God to take the center stage in our lives. He's invited into our lives to rule us and to lead us. We allow his spirit to correct us and reprove us, to guide us and shape us more and more into the likeness of Jesus, more and more into that wisdom from above that James describes. So just for a second, think to yourselves, where are we allowing the wisdom from above to shape us? Are we allowing it in worship? When we hear the word "read," or we come forward with communion, are we are we allowing our belief? Are we are we suspending the natural for a minute and inviting God into a deeper place in our heart and saying, "Lord, today I want to give You more of me." It's risky, but are we are we allowing God? Are we allowing that wisdom to permeate during worship? Is it during our quiet time? Is it with our spouse or our roommate? Is it while we're listening to praise music, looking at the ocean, being on a boat? Where are we allowing? The wisdom from above to permeate our lives. And then I'll close with this thought. What are we holding on to? What what anger, what resentment, um, what unforgiveness, what sin are we holding on to that could block the wisdom from above? That could keep us from being more and more in step with Jesus. He, He tells us to be perfect He doesn't just say it for no reason. Be perfect like your father in heaven, knowing all along that we can't be. But, like his brother James, if we'll acknowledge that he is who he says he is, and if we keep our eyes fixed on him as we walk through this life, then we can constantly be reminded about the wisdom from above. Let me read it to you one more time. I won't add all my two cents. This is that wisdom we need to keep our eyes on. This is Jesus. It's pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's open to reason. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial and sincere. And most importantly of all, everywhere we go with our eyes on Jesus, we're part of a harvest of righteousness. Amen.